Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the 477th episode of the Hollywood Reporter's Awards Chatter Podcast. I'm the host, Scott Feinberg, and my guest today is one of the greatest actresses of her generation. She was nominated 29 years ago for the Best Actress Oscar for her portrayal of Tina Turner in What's Love Got to Do With It, making her the only black person nominated for the Best Actress Oscar in the 1990s. And she is nominated this year for the Best Supporting Actress Oscar for her portrayal of Queen Ramonda in Black Panther Wakanda Forever making her only the fourth black actress who has received more than one acting Oscar nomination. She has also won two Golden Globe Awards for the aforementioned two films and has been nominated for seven Primetime Emmy Awards for a variety of programs. Times film critic Richard Corliss wrote in 1998, quote, Some folks have it, some don't. She does. She animates and elevates her roles with fire, precision, and suavity, close quote. The film historian Donald Bogle said in 2002, quote, she very much reminds me of Joan Crawford and Betty Davis, women who commanded your attention in a film even when their mouths were closed, close quote. And the Emmy-winning writer, actress Lena Waithe opined in 2017, quote, she is a freaking legend. Without her, there is no Viola Davis. Without her, there is no Halle Berry. She's the one who came in and did things Meryl Streep was doing as a black actress, close quote. I'm talking, of course, about Angela Bassett. Over the course of our conversation at the Belmont del Encanto Hotel in Santa Barbara, ahead of the Santa Barbara International Film Festival's presentation to her of its Montecito Award, the 64-year-old and I discussed her path from St. Petersburg, Florida, to the Yale School of Drama, to Broadway, to Hollywood. The early roles that established her as one of the top talents in the business, in John Singleton's Boys in the Hood in 1991, Spike Lee's Malcolm X in 1992, and Brian Gibson's aforementioned What's Love Got to Do With It in 1993, to the ups and downs that followed over the next three decades leading up to today, when it seems, after years of great work in films like Forrest Whitaker's Waiting to Exhale in 1995, Kevin Rodney Sullivan's How Stella Got Her Groove Back in 1998, and Doug Atchison's Aquila and the Bee in 2006, she's finally getting her due and may finally take home an Oscar for her portrayal in a blockbuster as, appropriately enough, a queen. And so, without further ado, let's go to that conversation. Thank you so much for doing this. Great to have you on the podcast. And on this one, we kind of go through the big moments in our guest's life and career. And so to go back to the very beginning, could you share with our listeners, where were you born and raised and what did your folks do for a living? I was actually born in New York, New York. Okay. Yeah. Women's Hospital. <laughs> and um, I think my mother was, she was like um, nurse's aide, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. And father, I always say, I say of him that he was a jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> In other words, I really don't know yeah. ultimately what he did. Sure. I know he was, he, he was good at a lot of things. Yeah. Very, very smart, had knowledge about it. any subject you could bring up. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. That's sort of what I recall about sure. him. But um, I, I left New York when I was 10 months, okay. so I've been told, and I went to live in Winston-Salem, Winston North okay. Carolina. Did I say that correctly? Yes, <laughs> with my, my father's sister, my okay. aunt Golden. And uh, she was to raise me. I think she said once that she was to adopt me, but it didn't, it didn't go through. Sure, sure. And then at four, when my parents... Um, they, they uh, got they separated. Mm -hmm. My mother came through Winston, picked me up along. 
She had my sister in tow, my younger sister, and uh, headed home to St. Petersburg, Florida. And that's where most of the rest of the yeah. childhood was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, did I read that your mother might have had a little bit of a performer in her if life had gone a different way? Oh, yeah. She had a little flair <laughs> for the dramatic. <laughs> was she kind of a, was it singing or just anything? Acting, Act, really? singing, most certainly, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'd be very embarrassed with her, you know, yeah. her high, high, high C soprano, <laughs> you know, <laughs> while in church, don't let a song come on that she loves. His eyes on the sparrows, oh, yes. like, oh, you know, kids, <laughs> like, oh, mother, could you bring it down a, right. <laughs> a few octaves or, you know. Well, now, most of us do not have an exact moment that we can point to where it seems like our lives took a different turn. But I, from what I was able to gather, it seems like you did. You're 15 years old and there's a field trip that really just changed everything? Absolutely. Yeah, I was 15. I was involved in this program at Ecker College, uh, you know, a little college um, in St. Pete. And uh, they had a program, Upward Bound, that was there on the campus. And I loved being a part of that program. You know, you you just got to be on a college campus, interact with different professors and teachers and ideas and, you know, stay on campus during the summer for six weeks and away from, you know, parents <laughs> and their watchful eyes. Yes. Just a little independence, yeah. you know, safe independence. And um, we were one, I was chosen as one of the students, I think of all the students, they mm -hmm. chose one. And I was chosen to take part of this program called Presidential Classroom for Young Americans. And it happened in D.C. So I guess it was more government or political centric, uh, which was which was not my thing. But traveling, having experiences outside of this little, small, sleepy, sleepy retirement community town that I grew up in uh, was wonderful. Um, I met um, students from the Caribbean, from Europe, from across America. So from just seemed like from the moon, you know, <laughs> everywhere. Okay. I loved it. You know, they put you in a room, have give you three roommates from various backgrounds and cultures and that was exciting and all day we would you know sit in sit in seminars or hear all this talk about government and <laughs> the workings of right. which just went completely over my head <laughs> but in the evenings we do cultural things we go we would go to see the monuments during the day or in this one particular evening i chose to go to the theater to the kennedy center which I've been to since then for the Kennedy Center Honors yeah. since then. So it is fabulous. It's, it's much smaller <laughs> now than in your than, memory. Than it, yeah, <laughs> than it appears. Yeah. Um, but yes, I was 15 and saw a production of Steinbeck's Of Mice and Men mm -hmm. with James Earl Jones, yeah. who I just spoke to about two weeks ago. Oh, great. You know, and I told him, you know, it's all your fault. <laughs> all this happening. Is you really me. were just changed by that whole experience? I was. Yeah. I was. It, he was just, as we know, magnificent and powerful. Oh, you couldn't take your eyes off him and your heart. And, you know, and within the context of the play, when Lenny yeah. is... is, is killed mm -hmm. by his his friend, his father figure, his surrogate brother, you know. Um, it was just heartbreaking to me. I don't, I don't, I hadn't seen too many plays mm -hmm. by that time. I'd see a couple of Abound. They would take us to the Oslo Theater, which is a beautiful theater in Sarasota. Mm -hmm. It's a little jewel box theater. They had been transported crate by crate from, from Italy. Wow. So we would get to, you know, sit there and see, you know, as you like it and, you know, and wow. on and on a couple Shakespeare plays. Yeah. But so maybe that was about the third, second or third mm -hmm. play I'd ever seen. And it was just so impactful and moved me to a puddle, to tears. Was it the kind of thing where you now had an idea that this is what you wanted to also do with your life? Or I guess at this point you, you still had, uh, I mean, because... I guess the next big moment would be ending up at, at Yale. But mm -hmm. was that first people should realize Yale undergrad, but that's mm -hmm. so before uh, Yale School of Drama. Mm -hmm. um, was it 
already cemented in your mind from 15 that mm. you're or was something else happened along the way? I don't think it was cemented yeah, yeah. because, you know, just being a practical girl, you know, you know, girl, single mom yeah. and watching her struggle to put, you know, keep the lights on, food on the table, clothes on our backs, you know, um, often alone, you know, alone yeah. um, and how difficult that that was holding down two jobs. And sometimes my sister and I would go when she was too tired, go and clean up the office buildings for her. We were just, I mean, we had the things we needed, but you, you really got a sense of the sacrifice that, mm -hmm. that it took. Mm -hmm. And uh, so she always, you know, made an, a, an impression on us that we had to do the best that we could and we had to get an education because she did not want this, you know, life to be as hard for us as it was for her. And then you just keep one foot in front of the other. So not knowing how you do this thing called mm -hmm. acting or, or getting to the profession at all, knowing that you enjoy movies and you enjoy television and you enjoy these performances and all oh, that was fun and delightful. But how how do you really do it? And after coming back from from that trip, that fateful trip, I remember saying to myself, oh, if I can make people feel the way that I'm feeling right now, which was terrible, <laughs> but yeah, alive, right, right, <laughs> you know, right. bittersweet. If I can make people, how wonderful it is to make people, we're, we're here sitting in the dark having this, you know, collective experience together. Mm -hmm. And we know these characters aren't real, but they're real to all of us right mm -hmm. now in this moment. Mm -hmm. um, so I came back wanting to do that, but I didn't think as a, as a you know, as a career, right, as right, a right. job, I could make a living from it. I just, I maybe as a real good hobby. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I guess let's just uh, noting the, the steps along the way. Mm. Scholarship to undergrad, is that right? I did. I That's got an, an awesome scholarship to Yale. And oh, then, gosh, when they really gave good scholarships. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, really obviously that, that in and of itself is is an amazing thing. But then mm -hmm. to pursue, you know, going further for, for um, you know, drama school, mm -hmm. I I got the impression from some some stuff that's been reported in the past mm -hmm. that you're it was it was a conversation even within your family about whether or not this was the best thing to do with the Yale undergrad education right right well you know I would do my little plays and my little you know readings and rec recitations and and my mother was always always very supportive of it because she enjoyed doing those sort of things when she was 15, mm -hmm. especially her yeah. her sister would tell me and could even recite one of the poems my mother used to do. You know, uh. you think that you're on top now, <laughs> now that we're apart. You know, and I was like, really? Aunt Lorraine, you remember mom's Hers, poem? yeah. Right. Because I guess she did it a lot. Right. right. So um, she was always very supportive and telling me how, how great I was, how good I was doing it. Oh, that was exciting. And when you did this, it came alive. And I mean, and you just felt like oh, my the best audience member ever. And my aunt, the my aunt Golden, dear to my heart, yeah. um, Is the this other the same angel aunt that sort of yeah, for my, a while raised you. That's right, yeah. my my father's sister. Yeah. I mean, an angel in my life. Yeah. Sure enough, if we have people in our lives who who love themselves, some us, mm -hmm. <laughs> she was that person for me, wow. you know, that you never have to doubt. And, um, and she was also the first, uh, uh PhD in the family. So wow. education was yeah. key. Yeah. She was an early childhood educator at Winston-Salem State University and the chancellor there for a bit and, and wow. on and on. So, um, the only family vacation we took was to go to, Illinois, Carbondale, Illinois, to see her receive her doctorate wow. degree, wow. graduation. My mother thought that was important. Uh, <laughs> you know, this amazing. is what you're going to see. Yeah. She would send us her grades, straight A's, <laughs> every semester. Right. Here we are in eighth grade. Right. Oh, Auntie did great. <laughs> yeah. I guess we got to get straight A's yeah, too right. or something. But, you know, that was the standard of excellence set. 
And I remember her saying, Angela, don't waste a Yale education on theater. She said it humbly, sweetly, kindly, lovingly, protectively. And it was like, I probably nodded my head. Oh, but it wasn't for a thought that it was a waste. Had I, you already been accepted to Yale School of Drama? Yeah, I had been so accepted. So there was now a question of what to yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. Freshman year, you know, trying to figure it out. So People should, if they don't realize, and I guess I only really hmm. appreciate this because I'm from New Haven. So oh, I, are you? But yeah, like the wow. Yale School of Drama, that is a big deal. And how many, like, uh, I mean, people know that, but they may not know how small each class is. Is it like 15 kids or something? Mm -hmm. Or young, young people? And... On top of that, I think I saw were you one of only two black women in the class or in the school? In the drama school. In the yes, drama school. Yes, yes. So in the drama this school. Was, uh, two actresses, yeah. <laughs> myself and Sabrina LaBeouf. Really? Okay. She's the eldest daughter on the Cosby show. Oh, my so, goodness. Yeah, that's my friend. Yeah. Well, so you talked about your aunt being one of those kind of angel-like figures. I get the... Um, but she was also that woman that every time I had a an audition, yeah. I would call. Auntie, yeah. I'm going up for this. Say a prayer for yeah, me. And yeah. she was like, I got you. I'll pray <laughs> for you, darling. I'll pray for you. And she always did. So, And I would call her often. And, you know, and I would get, you know, little jobs here, there, there, guest star here, there. So and hopefully she, she could is, see uh, that yeah. it was working, that her, fe her fears were allayed. Well, and I guess even before you were getting professional mm. work, she essentially unknowingly uh, handed you to... A person who seems like might have been another one of these angels who was Lloyd Richards. Oh, yes, yes. He was the dean of the drama school my first year. So I was undergrad and Robert Brustein was the dean of the drama school at the time. And, you know, you go, you see the productions at the Yale Repertory Theater or this little uh, Yale Dramat where the students will direct and produce and put on little plays weekly, a little sort of dinner theater atmosphere. And, uh, but when I auditioned, it was to be Lloyd's first year and Robert Brustein was going on to Harvard. So I was the first, a part of the first class that Lloyd's regime wow. chose. And people should know, I guess, directed Raisin in the Raisin Sun. Raisin the Sun on Broadway. And then later when you were out. And, um, oh uh, my gosh. Yeah. And then when you I guess so. He was sort of uh, there for your time at at the drama school, but then when he you... was there, and I would walk by his <laughs> big plate glass window, you know, his his office, his yeah. big desk, and yeah. all his important business of running the, the drama school and the Yale Repertory Theater. Yeah. And I would just wave, and I would be so proud, you know, like, <laughs> you know, it's almost like a father figure, but just proud. I could never call him Lloyd. <laughs> it maybe it took decades for that. I well, was just Mr. Richards or just just wave. I was so in awe. And it seems, though, him. that it was the affection was mutual, because when you graduate and you're now looking for your first gigs, mm -hmm. um Seems like two of them would have been on Broadway in shows that he directed, right? Yes, 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 yes. I went to the Eugene O'Neill Theater Center during the summers. He asked me if I could, if I would like to come and be a part of that. That's the discover new playwrights and and just uh, new new plays, new voices. Uh, they they work them out, you know, like workshop the theater plays yeah. and some teleplays also, but mostly theater plays. And uh, he asked one summer if I want to come. Now that summer, yes, I want to come and do theater <laughs> as opposed to stay in New Haven and, and spackle walls and <laughs> I think muddying walls right. and building, building classes. And I was like, oh yes, be creative. So it was just, uh, just heaven, dream come true. And the years at Yale though, before we move on from those, I, I know, you know, they, they, probably shape to some degree who who you are but you also once said it, it could also have been nicknamed in a kind of laughing way Yale trauma school instead Yale of school Yale, of trauma. What, Yale school of trauma Yale school of trauma it was just because you guys were grinding all the time oh grinding yeah. all the time yeah. you if you ate good luck is it, what is what is that right, <laughs> you right, know grab right. coffee coffee and go you know <laughs> um yeah it was a really 
intense uh, pressure cooker of a place. Classes all day, uh, work study if you had to, and I had to, Uh, and then, you know, putting on shows all evening. As soon as the show's over, after four days, tearing sets down, building sets, tearing them down. Grind. Yeah. So, but exciting! You're young. Yeah, you can grind and, like that. And you, and when you are, you, it must be pretty impressive company that you're in, even just among your classmates. You, oh yes, I Charles Dudden. Yeah. He was he was awesome, awesome wow. actor. He was in my class along with Kate Burton. She was the class ahead yeah. of me. Oh, wow. yeah. Jane Kesmerick, Chris, you know John Lloyd. Uh, wow. Yeah. So graduate, do those two shows on Broadway. For Ma Rainey's Lloyd. Black Bottom yes. and Joe Turner's Come and Gone, both obviously. He took it around so, yeah. the United States. You know, oh, wow. he, you know, he had a a relationship with regional theaters, yeah. and so we would take it to Seattle Rep, okay. and the Old Globe in San Diego, in D- DC. Uh, yeah, it was a great time. Huntington in Boston. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So what happens in 1988 that makes you say, mm. I'm going to give LA a try? Because I, what, I guess I'm curious, was screen acting always sort of an ultimate goal? Or was that just, let's see what it has to offer? Let's see what it has to offer. Mm-hmm. Because Yale is, you know, a, a conservatory training. Mm-hmm. It's, it's stage, stagecraft. So the only time, only bit of before the screen acting that I got to experience was at the Eugene O'Neill. I remember okay. Lloyd saying during doing one of the teleplays. Okay. So they have little cameras going. Yeah. And he, I remember saying, Angela, don't wave the rubber chicken. <laughs> and I was like, huh? What? <laughs> that, that was his instruction to oh me. Oh, my goodness. And I just took it that you are being, you, you could stand to be a lot more subtle. <laughs> no more projecting. Subtle. Yeah, no projecting <laughs> in a 1,200-seat theater. Right. You don't need to do all that. Yeah. So um, how, when you get out to L.A., how would you? Well, do? I decided to go oh, because yeah, I was yeah. in New York yeah, at yeah. the time doing theater and New York. During the 80s, I graduated in 83. So du- during the 80s, there were, it was Broadway. Yeah. There was Off-Broadway. There was Off-Off-Off-Broadway, <laughs> no pay showcases. Right, right, I did that. Right. There were industrials. Mm-hmm. You know, you're selling something, you know, for a corporation or whatever, right. Madison Avenue. You're not going to see that. There were commercials. And there were just, a, there were soap operas. Right. Soap operas and commercials. And... There were maybe two, two shows, you know, there was the Cosby show. Which you did twice, right? I did two, twice. Yeah. And there was some, some chatter about, should I really go back that second time playing a different <laughs> character, th- you know, three years earlier, people right, might get might confused. <laughs> <laughs> they might really get co- confused. Right. You're like, I just want to pay the rent, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Give me this job. Right. Um, I'll change my hair. They won't know. <laughs> Trust me. It's, you know, it's not of that monumental importance. And I think there was the equalizer. Right. Those were the only jobs. A, a couple, you know, movies were happening in L.A. or I guess on location. They weren't. A lot of movies weren't being done in New York. It was its own thing. Broadway. Theater. Right. And uh, I was like, go, go West, young woman. Then <laughs> so you, you actors would talk and we would, you know, we, you know, ego would say, I'm not going to LA until I'm not going to LA until they pay me to come. Or, yeah. you know, I, I guess right. they, they would come to New York and audition you a little bit, but it seemed that they would audition, they would see, and then they'd go back to LA and cast someone right. there, Right. cast someone there, especially for, you know, little brown 
girl like me, you know, they got to cast the guy, you know, the lead guy, the white guy. Then they got to cast his best friend, you know, it might be the brother, but his best friend, his cohort. Then that guy's wife. And by the time they got to my character, (laughs) they're going back to L.A. and casting. Well, that's sort of anticipated where I wanted to go next, because so you do get out to L.A., Mm -hmm. I guess, initially sort of in your thinking on a trial basis yeah what 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 did they call it it was the um it, it, and it it, it was ever changing pilot oh season. yeah pilot season, pilot season. <laughs> it was okay i'm going for this infamous pilot right. season this elusive pilot season i get out there and they cancel pilot oh, season God. you know it was always something going yeah. on in la but i was going to stay for six i think six weeks yeah six yeah about six six weeks no six months six maybe months. it was six months and when you get out there and it's sort of this new territory, new landscape, how would you describe for somebody who's sitting in L.A. in 2023, what opportunities generally, but as you say, specifically for a young actress of color, what did they, what would they have looked like in 1988 in that period when you're just trying to get a shot? Mm. Well, it was far less opportunities, you know, to to showcase yourself. There was ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox. Uh, I guess it was HBO and Showtime, you know. Uh, but there wasn't as many, of course, as there are today. Just a plethora of things today. Yeah. I mean, every seemed like everybody can work. Yes. If you want to work, <laughs> right. there's room for you yes. at the table. Yes. Um, but you, I, I, I guess I was fortunate that during that time there were um, some a lot of guest star appearances that I was able to make. There were a lot of one-hour dramas. That was sort of the the majority of opportunity. Mm-hmm. It was a one-hour one-hour dramas on television, not so much sitcoms. Very few of those. So I would. It seemed like a finite number. I guest here and then get a gig on the next one and the next one and next one, never to return. <laughs> <laughs> No, no reoccurring characters. It wasn't a lot of that. Just, you know, guesting. And um, I thought, wow, I'm going to I'm going to run out of I'm going to run out of opportunity pretty soon. And um, that's when I uh, went into audition for a young man, John Singleton. And so I wasn't he, 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 it didn't matter to him. He's 19. He's young. He's excited about his first movie. So he wasn't of the mindset that actor as an actor you are a television actor or mm-hmm. you are a film actor because you felt like there was just a real you know bifurcation mm-hmm. between the two you are one or the other and you didn't flow yeah. you didn't flow between the now two now it's cool to go now, from film yeah. to tv or whatever film to television yeah. back to yeah. new york yeah. back to broadway yeah do everything. Not Commercials, yeah. all yeah, of right. that. Pitch person, <laughs> crypto, person. Or <laughs> in a summer, do a game show. I don't right, know. Right, right. <laughs> no. I was, I guess, more rigid then, but but you hit upon. You know, so. start a tequila company. Yeah, you right. Any and everything you can exactly, possibly think of. Exactly. Well, so you mentioned John Singleton, and I actually, I think people don't realize how young you mentioned he was nineteen when you mm-hmm. first met him. Twenty. Three when the movie Boys in the, Boys in the Hood comes out, uh, twenty four when he's still the youngest best director mm. Oscar nominee ever, mm. um, and so you're cast as the mother of this troubled Reva Style, te- yes, troubled yeah. teen opposite uh, Lawrence Fishburne for the first mm-hmm. of three I think times now, and I guess I just wonder, given how young he was, how new. I mean, it turned out that all of these, so many of these people went on to great things, but you couldn't have necessarily known that in the moment. Did right. When did it click that this was going to be a, a special project? Oh, my gosh. I think um, it premiered and there were just articles about how wonderful it, it was. You know, this genre of, of, of movie, you know, from the hood, these, that sort of thing, but how elevated this was. Um, that it was something special, you know, at the time, I'm just trying to get my foot in the door and get a film. But yeah, there was a lot of, because there were, you know, I guess film goes through time. You know, I grew up in a, in a time of black exploitation films, Mm -hmm. you know, or, and so this one, this time 
was a lot of those type, not black exploitation, but of young black men in the neighborhood and the challenges and discourse and the things that they were going through. But uh, there was a, a, a lot of fanfare about how beautiful it was and how haunting. And, uh, totally. and so you go from one of the top young filmmakers, mm -hmm. forget about black film or any filmmaker mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. the next one spike with, mm -hmm. with Malcolm X, basically the net, it's the next year with Malcolm X, right? Was it the next the year? Next year, ninety one and ninety two. That's I just remember not being able to get my hand on that script to read ahead. You know, <laughs> Spike was tight with the script. You know, of course, actors we get sides. Right. You know, from right. time until you get to a certain <laughs> level. I went at that level. I just got a few pages. <laughs> well, I mean. of my character, but I do remember somehow I did, I did procure that script. I did get a, a script, and I kept it under my bed. <laughs> I kept it under the bed, yeah. under the mattress, yeah. and I had a Malcolm X long T-shirt, and I slept in that. This is all before you've got the part. Before I got the part. <laughs> I said osmosis. I was right. just trying to, you know, That's just be great. developed. Yeah, I was. <laughs> and, um, you know, going into the audition, auditioning with, with uh, Denzel, wow. you know, for Spike. And it was interesting. While I was, I remember seeing Spike's first movie, She Gotta Have It, mm -hmm. in New York and seeing it maybe a four times. Mm -hmm. And of course, oh my gosh, this is exciting. This is exciting. Film about this woman, about this she, oh, starring her. And um, I am wanting to audition when you, you heard about his next movie and he was going to LA, I think, to cast that. It seemed like whatever coast I was on, he was, he was on. He was <laughs> casting somebody from the other coast. He was right. no no New Yorkers right. casting out of L.A. back to New York. <laughs> but this time I got lucky. I got lucky with Malcolm X. As Beige was, of mm -hmm. course. And um, one of the things I, I read, don't know if it's true, but I can mm -hmm. find out here, is that for you, and I guess also for Spike, it seemed like a key thing to understand how to portray this woman was painfully to go revisit the actual assassination footage. Was that right? Like just to, I mean, it was obviously a terrible turning point in, in her life, but just was that a key way into it somehow? Well, I, I think I did a number of things. I remember, you know, she was, she was living then, mm -hmm. but it was, it was difficult to, for some reason to talk to her or, or maybe I was just a little skittish about it, or I thought that history, as we recall it, maybe I had a quick little conversation. I never, I only wore silk to bed. You know, it was something yeah. like that. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, oh, you know, we <laughs> tend to, as we're recalling history yeah. right now, yeah. we tend to remember it in glowing, yes. beautiful yes. terms. Yes. So I thought, I remember thinking history as we remember it, history as we want to mm -hmm. recall it. Mm -hmm. um, so it might be better for me to maybe interview Atala, mm -hmm. her, her eldest daughter, mm -hmm. that I would get another perspective, uh, maybe a closer, more truthful perspective or just something that would yeah. be a little different than I only was <laughs> silk to bed, you know, especially when I hear. Right. You know, you, you didn't have, you barely had money and you right. depended on the nation of Islam for everything, for your home to everything. And if they put you outside, then you have nothing. Yeah. That was the basis of the, you know, and, um, but yes, I remember we had a, a consultant, someone who's very knowledgeable and I didn't get to see visual footage, but I remember he, he had audio. Oh. Audio of that files, audio footage of the of that moment. So I, I actually, you heard the sounds, you heard the gun, you heard, you heard her crying, you heard her wailing, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, in the in the pattern uh, that she did. So I was able to grab onto that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we actually filmed in that location. Did you? Oh, my yeah. goodness. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, so the same week that Malcolm X hits theaters, you are also on TV on ABC in 
the Jacksons, an American Dream, the same week. Uh, Same week, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nineteen ninety-two, same week. Um, And then the year after that, of course, is what's love got to do with it? And I just want to quote something that I thought was funny, but I'm sure true, which was that it was from uh, Loretta Devine (laughs) saying that basically. Let me find the exact quote here. Sorry, just a second. Quote. Back to back, Angela got all three roles that every black actress in America wanted with uh, <laughs> Malcolm X, the Jacksons, and What's Love Got to Do With It. Did it feel to you like it was a, it was momentum was taken off in that moment, or did it feel like that to you? I think it certainly felt like a a good moment in time, you know. Um, yeah, that was taking off because I remember. Let me see. I did have to audition for the Jacksons. Mm-hmm. I most certainly had to audition for Tina. <laughs> right. Uh, but after, yeah, after What's Love, yeah, audition sort of stopped. Yeah. So, yeah, you just that, that working actress before. Yeah. Auditioning, going in, doing your thing, being your own director, producer, actor, yeah. you know, and that's the only time that you have, you know, control in your own hands. And then they decide on whomever they decide on. But uh, I was, I guess I was certainly feeling pretty, oh, pretty good, yeah. pretty creative. Yeah. And um, doing great mm-hmm. work. And of, of course, um, you know, as, as much as anything, and I think you've said, you know, similarly, I mean, one of the the best performances has got to be Tina Turner in that movie. And um, what people may not necessarily realize, if, if my information was correct, because I guess the film had to coincide with her next tour. Exactly. You guys had a very tight it time It was schedule, very right? short. You usually heard tell of films taking a year. Yeah. You know, com- film complete, edit, put it together, sweeten yeah. music, yeah. you know, timing a, a year later. But this was not to be. It was... Film it, and it's in the theater three months later. Isn't that insane? Especially when you have to learn what the the moves mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, the choreo. Just so the choreography, the um, I guess I was exhausted. Everything, right? I was so, in pain. Everything that? hurt. <laughs> everything hurt. Everything was sped up. You know, sped was she up. Available I to you? Was she there? She was. Yeah. She. I mean, she lived. You know, in Europe. Yeah. But I remember her being there and coming to Michael Peters, who was the choreographer, and his assistant, Eartha Robinson, who actually put me through the paces. Okay. Um, um, but she she would come in and she would show me her photo albums, and I get to look through these. You know, these old sepia tone pictures and like what's going on there she was like oh my jaw was broken there it was like oh Oh. you know as we're performing and she would laugh she was i mean she was such just spirit so light yeah nothing negative even in the way she was saying that it was like it was just a fact of what was going on then you know but life was good now and we would she would dance together and she was like michael let her do it without the stilettos without the <laughs> shoes let her learn the steps without the stilettos first and i was like thank you thank my you. angel thank you and we would do the steps together and then she would go away and um Rhonda graham who was her assistant along with her and ike on the road all those many years and they the two of them are still together and friends she would she would you know, call and say, Tina wants to know if you're okay, if you need anything. And she would, Rhonda would come to the set and she would assist me as if I were Tina. I mean, uh-huh. she, she's just a giving spirit. So you just felt all this love, you know, in the midst of this huge responsibility that you had, this huge role that was going to make or break. Or so many people had seen a concert, was so in love with her. Uh, had such expectations that this was not going to be good whatsoever. <laughs> and they didn't necessarily know. I mean, I guess her, you read her, her autobiography. Mm-hmm. So you knew, but I mean, I would say probably a lot of people had to be shocked by just how horrible her experience. Yeah. 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 She died. And that, that she admitted to that yeah. she, that we were able to witness, you mm-hmm. know, people at that time kept those sort of that information you know, hidden, yes, you know, we want you to it. see, yeah. yeah, the best of us. And, and, um, that was just an opportunity for her to tell her truth. And it freed so many people, so many people would, uh, have approached me 
and, and, and said that it changed their life, that they'd mm-hmm. gone through similar situation and seen the movie. They escaped it. They got out of it. That's they right. turned away. She could do it. They could. It gave them strength, you know? So, um, and ironically, yeah, uh, you and Lawrence, who I know do like each other, but he was, yeah. uh, he was, this is the second of your three times together. And, but one thing I, I just I was troubled to troubled. read. Uh, troubled. Troubled. Is that a. Oh, what's coming? <laughs> no, no, no. This is nobody. But the way they promote, I didn't remember this 30 years ago, but the way they some initially how was there something with the poster right? oh oh yeah can you share just because again i think it's important context like this is you know hopefully we've come some some ways but this is bad i didn't understand you know i didn't understand you know um savvy back then marketing departments or anything but the poster i remember the poster was a line drawing, like a profile line drawing with some little red lips. I mean, I could draw that poster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little couple of tufts of hair, you know, that mm-hmm. famous wig that she wore, you know, the spiky wig. Yeah. And it was just the word, a white poster, black writing, what's love got to do with it? And a line, single line drawing, profile of a woman's face and red lips. I was so mad. I was mad because I thought, you know, I'm looking at posters. I'm looking at posters and I'm assuming my face, my big old face and Lawrence's face is going to be on this poster. Yeah. And it was not. And I just remember just. Was there an explanation given? Not really, but a, a new poster did come out. There is a poster. I think I have a copy somewhere, <laughs> maybe a few, maybe I they hope, made a I few hope. to appease yeah. me. It might be a, yeah, it might be worth something. Yeah. <laughs> it was a picture of me and Lawrence is kissing my cheek. It's during one of the concert scenes when she's singing, oh, there's something on my mind. And then, you know, she's just gone through this, this you know, he's been brutal and violent. And then she has to get out there and perform. And so you, she has, you see in her eyes that she's still in that moment, mm-hmm. but she's performing with this ferocity yeah. behind it. Yeah. And then she looks over and he's right there and he kisses her on the cheek, like, keep going. Yeah. And this, and when he did that, this one hot tear yeah. fell out of my face, but we stayed on that click track. I think we did it once and it's like, wow. and just in, burst into song and wow. just didn't stop a beat. So it was his spontaneity in that moment because I didn't expect him to be there. You know how you feel someone there? Yeah. And I looked and he was there and he looked at me like, are you going to fall apart? Or are you going to sing this song? You better sing this song <laughs> or you yeah. know what's up. Yeah. And, you know, wow. I'm just a fool in love, you know? That was the song, but um, they came up with a poster like yeah. that, blue poster. Yeah. Then when we went to Europe, there's a poster of a little girl sitting on a, a suitcase in the cotton field or something of Nutbush. Do Nut you Bush. think it's just like a, a I think, disbelief that they were that there would be an audience for mm, uh, film mm, with, with maybe movies. maybe yeah. yeah when I when you look back only you know, because when we come to the the two movies and they wanted you to think of tina had just an international audience right so you i think you want to you want audience to think okay i'm going to see tina and i have a nebulous (laughs) nondescript poster i can have my memories of of tina i'm gonna go see tina's story i don't have to Mm, she's playing Tina. I don't know. Does she, Does she look, look like, like right, Tina? Right, mm. right. Oh, this is going to be, you know, what is this going to be? Oh, uh, I can wait. So I, I, I think they got it right. But as the one who was working, working, working <laughs> yeah. day and night. Yeah, it's annoying. You know, 50, I think maybe 60, 50, 60 days and 47 force calls. And, you know, Jeez. and uh, who's working? I wanted to see my little face. Pay me in yeah, posters. Yeah, of course. No. <laughs> well, here's a funny uh, other thing to connect that year to 30 years later. Mm-hmm. Um, for the people who, I don't know if you've heard all the chatter, like uh, this actor who's nominated for Best Actor, Austin Butler, they say he's got the Elvis voice oh, still. Oh, now yeah. you, <laughs> let yes. me read a quote. I had to Tina voice. I laughed like her for a few months after realizing that that's not me, that's not my laughter, but I couldn't let go, right? <laughs> so you ha- it's actually just, you can get that deeply into a 
character that you kind of you can shake it. Yeah. You can absolutely. I mean, I was you're sure he was as well. Yeah. I was just living and breathing all things her. I was listening to the songs. I would listen to. I would lay in the bed and just with my headphones on, listening to phrase by phrase. I was is she inhaling? Is she exhaling? What I mean, every single thing about her. You know, you're studying, you're falling in love with her, you know, her highs, her lows, it, it en envelops you, you know, it's only about her, only about this moment, getting it right. This is, this is my shot. This is my chance. Right. You know, I'm going to fly, I'm going to crash, I'm gonna whatever, <laughs> but I'm going to give it everything every I got every single day, no matter how difficult it is. This is a battle. We got to win it. Got to, got to, you know, it just. Oh, and I'm sure that's what he did as well. So I was like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, her little laugh right. and all of that. So this was 30 years ago mm. and you, like today, were nominated for an Oscar. And I wonder if you can Imagine. take us into that moment when that's happened and then in that case, you know, did it have an impact? Did it change things? <laughs> uh, in that moment, well, the movie came out. I got a nomination, got flowers and nice um, notes and things from wonderful people <laughs> uh, in the industry. I remember going to the Oscar nominee luncheon yeah. and Steven Spielberg said, oh my gosh, where have you been? <laughs> and I remember saying, right here. <laughs> I and he'll I, be there again I, I might year. see him, yeah, yeah, exactly. I might see him again. Yeah. <laughs> Steven, Still been here. Remember yeah. me? Still here. <laughs> we don't work with you, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, after that, it was 18 months of, you know, of not a job, but really? I probably needed to relax. I did need to rest after that. I couldn't, I could only tell you my name. I couldn't give you any more. Don't ask for any <laughs> more out, yeah. commitment from right, me right. other than utterance of my own name. I'm just that tired. But, um, and then slowly, you know, after that, things began to pick up. You know, there was Wes Craven, yep. who was, uh, you know, he, I mean, he he saw me and he would cast me and I, you have a job. What? <laughs> Just come up to Vancouver and do this job. Whoa. It's a nice Who, change. Who's this person? Yeah. <laughs> really? Oh, that's nice. And um, so it was it was something about me he liked. So he put me, you know, in Nightmare Cafe and then, you know, uh, some music of the heart yeah. on Meryl Streep when he was trying to do something other than horror, you totally. know. And also and, um, Strange Days, Catherine Bigelow. Catherine Bigelow, you have a job. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want you to be the, the moral compass of this movie with Ray Fiennes and Juliette Lewis. Wow, okay, it began to happen, you know, and the Forrest Whitaker and all the Terry McMillan books. Well, stuff. that's what I wanted to ask you about next, actually, if we can, because we've got Waiting to Exhale in 95 and then How Stella Got Her Groove Back in 98, both adapted from Terry mm -hmm. McMillan mm -hmm. novels. Mm -hmm. And it's like for a lot of the industry, mm. there was some sort of a, especially, I guess, after Waiting to Exhale for Black women, mm -hmm. different love stories, different. Wow. Um, and this movie opened to $14.1 million, the box office number one. And it was like for a lot of people, like, oh, my God, there's this audience that we were not Paying aware of or to. catering to or whatever. Exactly. And I guess exactly. maybe that's not unrelated to how Stella got her group back shortly thereafter where, um, you know, single woman with a – Younger man, you know, rekindling. Mm -hmm. But I mean, just the idea that the reaching, there was this moment where it feels like there was a recognition that there's an audience out there that's not being catered to. And then it feels like maybe it kind of went back to forgetting about that. Yeah, I guess these things go in cycles. Yeah, you know, but uh, here we are back again yeah. today. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> With uh, Black Panther Wakanda of Forever. Of course. They're... Which, you know, features black women. Yeah. 
and it's closing in on a billion dollars. So you forget to your own peril. All right. (laughs) Once you remember, have done pretty well. Yeah. Um, Yes. Don't do it. Don't don't underestimate. Yeah. Then there you just think about the the lost opportunities along the way for the business for talented people. I mean, one of the stories that I came across of of yours, which um, I wonder if you can kind of share, there was a moment where Sean Connery was interested in working with you, right? In Entrapment? Oh, yes, that's right. Yes, Entrapment. Um, I remember meeting him and Antoine Fuqua was to direct it, going in to meet him. He's talking about the you know, Armani would do the the, suit, the clothing and the suits and his skin next to my skin, how beautiful that would be. And I was like, okay. And, you know, I'm just meeting Antoine Fuqua for the first time. Oh, okay. He's an, an Antoine, <laughs> you know, he's his brother. I was like, Antoine, I kind of figured, <laughs> I, could, I could kind of figure that out right. from the name a little bit. And, um, but no, it didn't, it didn't happen because. But this was Sean wanting it to happen and then a studio. wanted it to happen and then somewhere it, it, it fell apart. Yeah. And then he, uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones yeah. ended up doing the role. Yeah. And <laughs> well, meanwhile, I guess at the same time that would have been happening. And Antoine did not. <laughs> Antoine did all right. Things, things and he's been all right, and so am I. Yes, yes. No, but it's just it's interesting because your the span of your career has uh, encompassed a lot of things that have changed, and a lot of things that I guess there's still you know room for improvement in the industry. But it's just you. Not too many people can speak to it with direct firsthand experience like like you can through all these steps along the way and um but i guess you know you in that moment might have been at the same time you would have been doing entrapment was Bozeman and lena right in south africa which maybe not uh maybe doesn't necessarily reach the same size audience but that's got to be one of the ones that i would think you hopefully are proud of very very proud of yeah very proud of i haven't seen it in forever i just bought the dvd to go revisit because i I mean i got the poster yeah yeah the poster (laughs) like oh what a searing off the screen oh they said nice things yeah totally but i mean there uh that was in that moment you were doing uh uh, the score with De Niro around that same time. Mm-hmm. But what's also interesting, and I, I wonder if you can talk about this, it seems like from the very outset when you were still even maybe in New York getting offers for soap operas or different things, you kind, when you maybe could have much less afforded to say no to things, you had kind of a moral code of what you were willing to, what kind of characters you were interested in portraying and which you were not. Is that Correct. I would say um, to myself that I just wanted to work consistently, be paid fairly, mm-hmm. you know, and and to remain in love with it. And I think I had an I had an inkling that you could, when you want something so badly or so much, in this particular industry, mm-hmm. um, that's. A lot of subjectivity, (laughs) you know, I like her. I think she's fabulous. Really? You know, it's all in the eye of the beholder that um, you could be taken advantage of. Um, You know, you would hear stories about the casting couch and all of that. So I was... I was on alert mm-hmm. <laughs> for casting yeah. couch abuses, yeah. which never came, thank thankfully. God, yeah. Yeah. Thank, thank, thank God. Um, but I was on the alert that I thought I was gifted, that my gift was authentic, mm-hmm. um, and that if I were ever in that, if that was the means to success, then I was smart enough to do any and do anything else to do something else Mm -hmm. and still be okay. Yeah. Um, But I could not uh, debase myself or cheapen myself, give away myself to someone just for a role. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to have that experience. So I never had that experience. And we know that, um, you know, we know all too well um, the, the truth of, of, of that. Mm. And you played so many people who are, you know, essentially role model 
characters from Rosa Parks to Coretta Scott King to others who we've mentioned. And, um, and even, you know, even if your character is not necessarily the, uh, obvious hero on, on the surface or whatever, like, let's just say Aquila and the bee, you, it's a story mm -hmm. that has something to lift people up, I would mm -hmm. say. Right. I mm -hmm. mean, and if people, I just couldn't believe when I finally put it together years later that this is Kiki Palmer, the same Kiki Palmer today and that you and her, I mean, and you and Lawrence again, but yes, just, yes. uh, I don't know. I just find it interesting. And, you know, I wonder if you feel that holding out for... I would always say, let me go yeah, back to yeah, yeah, what you said before. I would just, I mean, I think growing up, single mom, you know, an aunt who loved me, um, growing up in the community, you know, you just walk across the street to school. Growing up, my great-grandfather, Reverend Slater Samuel Stokes, you know, grandfather, grandmother, you know, I just had a lot of, you know pride, yeah. you know, um, being a lover of history, knowing how difficult times were, you know, are Martin Luther King being shot. You're in second grade. What's going on? Da, da, da. You're just a lover of history, looking into history, finding moments and people to be inspired by. Um, in, in the industry, looking, you know, like I said, coming up in black exploitation time, black exploitation movies and seeing drug addicts and, you know, prostitutes and pimps. And I enjoy some of the movies. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, and like when you got, got back at the man, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. But you see, it's just a business of, of imagery and pictures and knowing that they last forever. Right. And... What do I choose to do? Yeah, um, and I know you've set, you've emphasized because there's the the example that people have brought up over the years was Monsters Ball, right? That that was one that you declined to play because it wasn't necessarily that kind of a, a the dignity or whatever of the character. But um, it's not like you begrudge other people who I play do them. not. I absolutely yeah. do not. Yeah, and always and always think that what I can I I can't do everything. Yeah. you can't no, dance no, to every record. No, no. And what I cannot do, someone else, yeah. their sensibilities can do without blinking an eye. And that's great. And when we have enough stories, yeah. you know, enough stories from the top to the bottom, all kinds of stories, when we tend to have one particular thing, then we got to, you know, maybe it's going to be a, a more noble character, you know, because of our history in this country. We need to see us. See the nobility and the humanity in people who do not look like you. Yeah. And there was a quote of yours at one point where you're saying, and it's just because it perfectly leads into the Black Panther films. Basically, you, I'm trying to find it here, but I can't find it right now. So I'll just paraphrase. But essentially, like, I'm holding out to play a queen. <laughs> and here we are now with, with Ramonda and Black Panther. And I guess I just wonder when you how it initially came about with the first film, but also when it did, did you have any concept of any suspicion, any, any idea of how big a thing this could be? No, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not really good with stuff like that. <laughs> I'm just got my head down right. and I'm just looking at my script. I'm in love with it. Yeah. What it will be or, Oh, this is going to be huge. Yeah. No, it could be all, be a huge flop yeah, too. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> you never yeah. know how audiences are going to respond. I thought, of course, Oh, this is comic book. And of course they have, they're loyal, you know, <laughs> right. the fanboys and girls, right. they're loyal. Yes. So that's, that's going to be good for them. Right. But for it to just overflow, overflow to the, to the rest, to the rest where you're 494, it, literally. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it's not because it, mm -hmm. it's happened, but I mean, just so first one, 2018, obviously massively critically acclaimed, such a huge international blockbuster. And then first superhero movie ever nominated for best picture. Mm. And then with, I guess it's about within two and a half years, this, this, um, moment of joy that you saw all around the world with people dressing up to go to the movie theater and all of that, um, then there's this terrible tragedy. And I wonder, I guess, first of all, were you aware that was, was anyone aware that the no. Chadwick Boseman was no. not well? Mm -mm. No, no one was. None of so us. So this, 
happens, obviously the first thing is everybody yeah, mourns. None of us, yeah, we're aware. And you know, it's interesting before you go take on a big movie, you yeah. have to go to the doctor, uh, right? And you have to get this physical, yeah. make sure you're okay. Yeah. This sort of physical yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. have to get for insurance yeah, purposes. Sure. So, I mean, I, I, I can't say for sure, but yeah. I can imagine if I'm a, an artist, you know, and I want to work, and, and these great roles are coming, it, it would behoove me not to, let, because they may move on. Oh, so you're saying to not let perfect it, not, not, so that he he knew, but you're saying. Yeah, he yeah. knew, he knew. Yeah, but not, situation. well, obviously yeah. at the, towards the end, but of, yeah, what a terrible, us, sad thing. And, um, when that happens, and obviously first and foremost, people shock and grief, but was there sort of with, with, you and your colleagues on the film was was there sort of a sense that how can this go forward or was there always we've got to find a way to go forward it was how can this go forward yeah. you couldn't even think of forward <laughs> you yeah, couldn't even think yeah, yeah. of the future yeah. you're just right in the present and you know just tears just heartbroken heartbroken mm -hmm. because um, you know wonderful actor all of that but just such a wonderful person yeah. wonderful man um, it was just something so special about him, so unique, so unique and wonderful. And that really fed the second film because I know if, even though he physically was not there, it was sort of a, a presence, right? I mean, even for you with the imagery of him helped you to uh, play this character so beautifully, right? In the sequel I read about just having photos of him in different places or even on, was on, there something about a Ryan, a Ryan's Ryan had necklace? A, yeah, yeah, he has a beautiful necklace yeah. with an image of Chadwick on it. With, yeah. I guess black diamonds or crystals or something wow. surrounding it, you know, like a dog tag. Yeah. And just gorgeous. I don't know where you got that from, but it's, it's, nice. it was beautiful. So when he come up to you <laughs> between scenes, yeah. Chadwick was right there. He's beautiful, beautiful face. Uh, I imagine that was certainly one thing that is uh, shaping your performance, but also how about Ruth E. Carter's costumes, which she wins an Oscar for the first film, mm -hmm, back mm -hmm. nominated along with you for the second. But I can't imagine when you're wearing such elaborate headdresses and everything, um, how does that affect a performance? You better wear them. Yeah. <laughs> you better, don't let it wear you. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Which was pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, you almost feel like you're 50% there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the performance is there. You know you know who she is in that moment, in that instant. You you know who she is. Okay, yeah. she's a queen. She's yeah. a real, especially in this, this second iteration. But um, it just, yeah, you get a sense of who you are in the... You know, in, in when you're trying them on, when it's just in burlap and, you know, it's just a Muslim fabric, yeah, yeah. you get an idea then, oh, okay, all right, and you begin to buy into it and believe it yeah. even then. You don't want to show up on the day and have to put on all of this because it's very elaborate. Right. And then <laughs> you look like you got in your, your, your mama's clothes and shoes, your daddy's <laughs> shoes or whatever, but yeah, you want to fill it. Um but yeah, she she is just extraordinary talent. I don't know how I cannot fathom going into a workroom, her workspace, which of it, right? an entire warehouse, yeah. you know, entire soundstage yeah. filled with all these vision boards and mood board boards and and the specificity between each, you know, each tribe. Amazing. Mm -hmm. You have a couple of. Well, and I've worked with her before. This is the fifth time on What's Love. I know. Malcolm X. She, can I quote? Can I quote her great recent line? What's that? The only two things that haven't changed in the last thirty years are my telephone number and Angela her Bassett's telephone number. Her mom's, her mother's telephone number, right? And what was the other? I'll let you. Say. And Angela Bassett's measurements. <laughs> That's quite a compliment. That's great. Um, they change, but I, they change. I get it back together when I know I'm going to meet her. <laughs> well, so there are so many moments where your performance blows people away in this film. And I just wonder, you know, whether these speeches at the UN or the tribal council or different things along the way for you, is there a, if you had to say that there's a scene or a moment that you're personally proudest of from Wakanda Forever, what would that be? I'm proud of all my babies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All my moments. It was just, 
I'm sad a there's bittersweet, one in particular, but yeah, like a lot a of bitter, us. Yeah, yeah, sweet opportunity. Yeah. I got those moments. I got that chance, you know, because of, you know, life and what happens in life. Um, it, wouldn't have, it may not have looked like that if it had gone another way and there had been extended days. But um, I, I, I do love the scene in the throne room when I dismiss Okoye, relieve her. Of her, of her duties, because she has lost my daughter. I do feel in that moment, and we all did that. You know, when she, when I say, "Have I not given everything?" You know, have I not lost everything? You've yeah, you've given your whole life, your family. Um, you've dedicated yourself to. So don't talk to me. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> don't speak to me of loss. <laughs> Well, amazing yeah. all around. And just as a final question, can I ask you, I mean, these last few years, mm-hmm. we've seen you in the American Horror Story universe. We've oh, seen yeah. you it's in fun. Pixar with Soul, the voice there. Uh, oh. Didn't see you, but heard you. Everything from Master of None to Black Lady mm. Sketch Show. Mm. And now, of course, 911 goes on. But then these films, which have led to 29 years later, a another Oscar nomination. It shouldn't have taken them that long to get back on board. But anyway, wow. <laughs> uh, just tell like this moment for you, what does it feel like? And uh, when you spend an hour, I don't know how often you, you do this looking back, just seeing where it's all come from. Just tell me about this moment. It's amazing. I mean, you've done your, you've done some <laughs> research there. And, <laughs> and me personally, I, I don't, it's like I recall, but I don't look back right. with that sort of specificity, you know. Um, but this is what you do, <laughs> journalist. <laughs> um, I, I'm just, uh, you know, girl fell in love with acting so, so, so many years ago and who has continued to do it and tried to find ways to uh, keep myself available, open, current, interested in love with it and, you know, some of those opportunities that you just mentioned, it's like, yeah, yeah, I had a great time with those folk and doing that in, in different genres, whether it's animation or documentaries, you know. Um, um, oh, yeah, you did Good Night Off. Right? Good Night Off. Yes. Right. Um, and um, so it's it's been it's been wonderful, and I'm just as nervous now as I was 29 years ago. You would think with all this experience, <laughs> you would have calmed down a little bit. But no, I'm, I'm just as pixelated, just as excited as I was then. I'm trying to show good face. I'm trying to show calm face. I'm trying to keep calm, breathe, pray, right. yeah, you know. Sauna, what exercise, <laughs> keep the stress at bay. Right. Um, I'm just trying to remain. I'm I'm excited, surprised, grateful. Um, but it's just listen, 29 years, just uh keep at it. That's right. if it's what you enjoy doing, keep at it. Keep well, at it. Thank you for all the amazing uh performances. Thank you for doing this and I'm rooting for you. Thank you so much, Scott. Thanks for listening to Awards Chatter. We really appreciate it and would really appreciate you taking just a minute more to subscribe to the podcast and to leave us a rating and review on your podcast app. And to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, where our handle is at Awards Chatter. On those platforms, we announce upcoming guests and provide details about special live recordings of the podcast that you can attend. Until next time, thanks again for tuning in. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.